Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And as always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Hope everybody's having a great day on this Thursday afternoon. And before we get started with today's show, let's go ahead and start with the Angelus at the top of the noon hour here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, very appropriate prayer, the prayer to St. Michael, especially for today's topic, you know, in that last line, these demons who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. And what is it that we always discuss, especially in deliverance ministry, you know, whenever somebody comes to me and they say, hey, you know, Dr. Sandoval, can you please evaluate this person to see if they have any kind of a spiritual influence? Is this a mental health disorder? What's going on with them? Because quite frankly, they're not thinking clearly. Well, why would that even matter in terms of the agenda that the dark side might have? Because the reality is, they don't want you to think clearly, right? You got to remember at the most basic, the most uh, uh, simple, the most uh, important thing for them is a lie. We got we to remember that, that they're going to lie to us. They're going to deceive us. And spiritually speaking, especially if you're going down the route of spiritual direction, a lot of times we worry about, gosh, you know, what am I doing in terms of getting closer to Christ, getting closer to God? And that has to be our key. But we have to remember that we're navigating waters where there might be deceptions, and never on the part of God, of course. Deceptions, lies, things that seem confusing confusing to people. Why does this matter in terms of mental health? You know, a lot of times in mental health, what I have to talk to patients about are, is, is this fantasy? Is this reality, what you're thinking? I, I understand that you're hearing voices. I understand that you're seeing things. It might not seem logical to anybody, but the reality is, it might not be true. And you might be living in what other people might see as a fantasy world or a world that doesn't exist, yet to that person who's suffering from a mental health disorder, it's very real. They're not experiencing a fantasy. They're going to say, no, this is really happening. It's happening. It might be happening in my head and nobody else's, 
but it's really happening. Now, we can be very quick to dismiss that because we say, well, I don't see it. I don't know that it's true. And we have to make these distinctions. I think that's important also to make that distinction in the spiritual life, especially when it comes to something called delusional disorder. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of delusional disorder. I know that we've heard of schizophrenia. You know, schizophrenia is very common. We say, well, what is schizophrenia? What, what does that mean that somebody's schizophrenic? A lot of times people will get that wrong and they'll say, oh, they have a split mind. That's what it used to be called. That's what the idea was, that this person had a split mind, that there were two different things going on, almost like two minds working. And that's not the case. So if anybody says, oh, that's a split mind, or it sounds like that's almost schizophrenic, like there's two different forms of thought, that's very old school thinking. Or sometimes you'll hear that in movies. It's very Hollywood. It's not scientific and psychiatric as far as the diagnosis. So what is schizophrenia and how do we distinguish that from delusional disorder? Schizophrenia, what you have to remember is you have to meet certain criteria. And some of the criteria are that there has to be hallucinations. It could be auditory or visual hallucinations, most commonly auditory. Person has to have delusions. So we're gonna talk about delusional disorder, but you know we gotta talk about in schizophrenia, what do delusions mean or it's included in that. And the person usually has some form, of, some form of disorganization, whether it be in their speech or thought. And the disorganization means that their minds just cannot form a complete thought at times. They're not thinking clearly. They're not speaking clearly. You're trying to speak on a topic. You're trying to say something. And in reality, they're just, they're not functioning. We're, we're on different wavelengths, right? So a person with schizophrenia might tell you, you know, I really, uh, I stay in my room all the time, or the family members might tell you that. Usually it's family members first who tell you that. But I stay in my room all the time, and they play video games, or they're just reading. They don't come out. Hygiene's not very important. They almost seem to be depressed all the time. When they do come out of the room, they're starting to talk about bizarre things. You know, this is where it's disorganized. Gosh, they talk about how the FBI came in, and that's why all the mugs in our cupboard are uh, white, and that we drink coffee out of them when you should really be drinking water, because it's a government ploy that we drink coffee out of mugs. You know, I'm just making things up. But you notice that the, the thought process there is not very organized. And you say, well, what does the government have to do with the white mugs and the and the coffee, you know, everybody drinks coffee out of mugs. If you go to a restaurant and they're going to tell you, well, sure, that's that's the way that the government has set it up or that another entity set it up. And they really believe this. You know, to them, this is really crucial, important, and, and they believe it. The challenging part here is that whatever you tell somebody with schizophrenia or whatever their thought process is, it's all going to fit and you're not going to convince them otherwise. Right. I'm going to convince somebody that a white mug is bad if that's what they believe. How do I convince them that it's bad? Or how do I convince them that it's not a government ploy? It's really hard to do that when somebody does have schizophrenia. The thing about schizophrenia, though, is people will start to hear voices or imagine that they're being followed by this government. They start getting paranoid, right? And so there's this world where it's very obvious to everybody else that something is not working right, something's not going right. There's an issue uh, as far as their thought process. And we say they're disorganized, they're not thinking clearly, they're having hallucinations, maybe they're having some paranoid thoughts, but it's really out of the realm of reality. And we say they obviously need medication, they need some kind of help, and I don't doubt that they're hurting inside. A lot of times we try to convince people who have schizophrenia that what they're going through is not real, right? Because we feel that we're living in, living in reality when we don't have their experience. We say, no, what I'm doing is real, what they're experiencing is not real, and I'm going to try to convince them of the truth. No, you're not being followed by the police. No, the FBI aren't trying to follow you. 
yeah, you know, they're going to tell you, well, look at a patrol car just went, went, went by the house. I just saw them. I was looking out the window and a, and, a, and a sheriff's car just went down the street. I know that they're guarding me. They're, they're doing circles just watching me. And you can try to convince them all day long. That's not the case. That's not why they're, they're just patrolling like they normally do. Don't they always patrol? Yeah, but it's about me. Try to convince them otherwise. It's going to be really, really hard. What I usually recommend people, if they are experiencing uh, uh, schizophrenia, a family member with schizophrenia, if you're taking care of somebody who's experiencing these symptoms, one, obviously try to get them some help. Try to see if you can get them in for help. It's going to be very hard to do because they're not going to see it. They're not going to believe that they have it. They have no insight. They don't have introspection, right? So that's a very challenging aspect of uh, schizophrenia. But I try to tell most people, try not to tell them that they're lying or that it's not true or anything along those lines, because you could add fuel to the fire. You might just frustrate the situation because to them, it's very, very real. That moment is very real. So what do we do? I would have a conversation with, with the person who's experiencing this and say, I realize that you believe this or that you feel that this is true or that every time the police officer goes by, you feel that it's about you. I I believe that you believe that. However, I don't see that. Okay, I see a different reality. I'm not worried that they're going to come and get you. I would help you otherwise. But I believe that what you're experiencing is true. A lot of times, they just need that reassurance that somebody believes them, that somebody says, you know, it's okay. I know what you're going through, and I believe that you're not lying. They need to know that to somebody else, what they're saying is valid, is true, and that they're not completely off the rocker. And guess what? The reality is that they're not because to them it's a reality. Now, it might not be the truth as we know it in terms of they probably really aren't being followed by the police. You know, there's no conspiracy as far as we know with white mugs and coffee or anything along those lines. We just have to remember that the person who's experiencing this truly believes it. It's very painful for them and it is a big burden to carry. One of the things about schizophrenia, before we get into the delusional disorder part, um, well, you got to remember with schizophrenia is that there is a very big danger that if it's not treated, it's going to continue to progress. Okay, this is an illness that continues to progress. The hallucinations, the paranoia, they be, might become more intense. They might become more frequent. And the person can easily get into a world where it's so hard, it's such a burden that they might want to end their life. The other thing to consider is if they are hearing voices, the most important thing is not that they're hearing voices. Obviously, we want to treat that and we want to quiet the voices down. But when it comes to voices as a psychiatrist, the most important thing I want to ask is, what are the voices telling you, right? Because if they're telling them, look, there's little green men that are coming to the planet Earth and they're going to come in peace, that's great. The, the idea is a little bizarre, but it's a peaceful message. People are coming in peace. You don't have to worry. That's fine. I've had patients where they tell me, yeah, I hear voices. It's the voice. I think it's my guardian angel. And they tell me I do a good job. And they tell me to be nice to people. And they tell me to keep doing what I'm doing and to do my job as well as I can. And I say, hey, that's great. I don't even know if they need to be treated necessarily. They, need, they might not need medication. We've got to keep an eye on them. The voices that I care about, the ones that are very concerning and very real are, is there a voice telling you to hurt yourself or end your life or to hurt somebody else or end somebody else's life? Those are the most important things to consider as far as the content of auditory hallucinations in anybody who's experiencing schizophrenia, because that's when we really want to get them help. If somebody is hearing voices over and over that they are going to end their life, that they should end their life, that they're no good, after a while, that can become a very serious reality for that person, and we want to get them help.
with more on psychosis, delusional disorder, and schizophrenia when we come back from the break. All right, folks, we're listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval show today. I am your host, Dr. Louis Sandoval, and as always, so happy to be here. Before the break, we were talking about schizophrenia and psychosis. And if we know somebody with schizophrenia or psychosis, definitely we need to get them help. They're going to need medication. The way that the brain chemistries are working, the dopamine's a bit out of control. There's parts of the brain that aren't firing the way they need to fire and the person is suffering. You know, a person has psychosis, hallucinations, things along those lines, right? Normally, it's a thought disorder, they're gonna have mood disorder, and usually somebody with schizophrenia is gonna have what we call a flattening of affect, meaning that you're not gonna have the range of joy and emotions that most people have. Usually, it's very heavy and negative. Now, how is that different from delusions? Somebody has something called a delusional disorder. Now. We've got to distinguish this from schizophrenia because somebody who's schizophrenic can have delusions as well, right? But what is the difference? What's the difference between somebody who has schizophrenia versus a delusional disorder? Well, let's ask ourselves, what is a delusion? A delusion can be called, I'm just going to read this off here. The delusion is a false fixed belief that is not amenable to change in light of conflicting evidence. Let me read that again. It's just a false fixed belief that is not amenable to change in light of conflicting evidence, meaning that it's just a thought. It's something that somebody believes, even though you're showing them something to the contrary, okay? Even though you're showing them proof that this is not what the case is. We talked about this a little bit before. You know, somebody with schizophrenia can have the delusion that the police are after them, okay? Or that they're being followed. You could take them down to the to the uh, courthouse. You could take them down to the police station. You can say, hey, can we look up this person's name on the records? And there's nothing there. And you can show the person, look, there's nothing, there's no cases against you. There's no charges against you. Nothing's pending. The police aren't looking for you. There's nothing going on, okay? And the person still says, no, I don't know. I still got a feeling that this is the case. I got a feeling that the police are going to come after me. In fact, I got a feeling that I'm going to be arrested someday. You're going to say, why would you get arrested? Is there, there, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you did. But they have this false fixed delusion, okay? So they have this idea or this belief. Now, this can happen. This is very challenging because for the most part, a person is functioning in society like this. They can go, they, I can go to work. I can go about my business living with this, shall we say, a fear if this delusion causes, causes fear or a different idea, right? So the challenging part about delusions is that you also have to check when somebody tells you that they believe something that sounds bizarre, you got to check to see how does this compare to their cultural beliefs? Right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more when it comes to people coming to us for deliverance, people believing that they're under demonic influence or something bad, because we have to really make that distinction. But if we're going to look at this right psychiatrically, let's say somebody just has a psychiatric delusional disorder, what I have to look at are a few different things. First is, like I said, person's going to have this belief. Uh, it's going to be unusually persistent with force, uh, or even even if there's evidence that suggests the contrary. The idea is going to have a very big influence in the person, person's life. And obviously, and sometimes they alter their life because of what they believe, okay, uh, to an ex inexplicable extent where you're like, wow, this is weird. Now, and despite this conviction, despite what they believe, they're usually secret about it or they're suspicious about it when you ask them something, okay? So they might share this with a few people but they at a certain level realize that they probably shouldn't share it with too many people. 
which is odd, right? Because if you really believe something, if you really believe something to be true, you and you want other people to know about it, you'd probably share it with them, right? We see this on TV all the time. We see people doing infomercials where they say, hey, I've got this brand new diet. Believe it or not, if you just drink this powder, you're going to lose a lot of weight or you're going to be healthier than you've ever been. Or there's all these different ideas and people want to share that if they really believe that they found something, they have this conviction, right? Now, anybody who's got a delusional disorder regardless of what they believe, sometimes they can be overly sensitive. Sometimes uh, they're not going to have a lot of humor about their belief. It's a very serious thing. They don't joke about it. It's very, very serious, right? And then there is a quality of centrality. The quality of centrality means that no matter how unlikely or strange whatever their belief happens to be, they accept them as 100% real without question. Okay, that's that means that there's a centrality to this. Everything that they believe that it's 100% real. There's no questioning about it. You can, like I said before, you can't convince the person otherwise. And then if you attempt to contradict it, or you start showing them the truth, and it doesn't, as we say, jive with what's going on internally for them, if it doesn't make sense to them, they start seeing something different. They're going to have a very inappropriate, strong reaction to whatever it is you're saying, usually with a lot of anger, irritability, hostility, and they're not going to accept any other opinion. You tell them that what they believe is wrong, and boy, they're going to come at you with a very strong negative reaction. Remember, this is delusional disorder, okay? Different from, from schizophrenia, but it could be an, a symptom of schizophrenia when somebody is schizophrenic, but this is independent of somebody being schizophrenic. Now, this belief is usually... Um, it's usually not likely going to make a lot of friends for this person. This person's going to isolate about them. Remember I said that they'd be very secretive about it. Um, and then one of the challenges is if they start acting on this belief, usually they're very quiet about it, but if they start acting about it and they start having bizarre acting out because of this belief, they could end up in the hospital, okay? Or they could end up somewhere where they're going to need extra care. This happened to me. I remember seeing a patient like this one time. They came to the emergency department, and people weren't sure if she was schizophrenic. It was a young gal in her 20s. People weren't sure if she was schizophrenic or what was going on with her. It was just really odd the way she was behaving. And so I happened to be on call that night, so I had to go evaluate her case. And I sat down with her, and I asked her what was going on. And this person was telling me that they truly believed that they had a mathematical formula that was going to solve the world's economy. Now, this was a college student. She was in her 20s, very smart. She was going to a very reputable college, but she believed that she found this mathematical formula that was going to solve the world's economic problems, that was going to cause almost world peace, and she really felt like she needed to get it to a big institution uh, in the United States, maybe uh, somewhere in the government, maybe NASA, maybe somewhere, because she needed to have this formula out there and she needed to save the world with this mathematical formula. No big deal. She was functioning. She was going to school, and that's all she was fixated on was this was this formula that she believed she had. However, when I asked her, okay, well, what's the formula? Can you can you share it with me? Can you show it to me? You know, can we get it out there? She couldn't really produce it. And I said, well, do you, do you have it, though? Do you know where this formula is? Do you have it written down somewhere or something? I want to help you out here. I want to, you know, if you have this very important formula, uh, I, we, need, we need to get it checked out. One of the things that we need to do, though, is when somebody comes to us and they do have a bizarre idea, something that might seem like a delusional disorder, believe it or not, you want to get it checked out. Okay, because we're going to talk about subtypes of delusional disorder in a little bit. And it's very important to distinguish the truth 
from fantasy to see what the reality is versus a delusion. Because a lot of times we might hear stories and we might think that, oh, this person's delusional. They're, they're out off their rocker. And if we don't follow through, if we don't do our due diligence and follow through and say, hey, let's just double check this, even though it sounds weird, um, you'd be surprised how many times people have been blown off as being delusional. And they really do have some important information to share. Well, with this young lady, she was strictly delusional. As I asked her, hey, well, what is this formula? I want to help you out. Let's make sure that, you know, we're here at an academic institution, at, a, at an academic hospital. If you have this formula, maybe we can get in touch with our mathematical department or economics department, whatever it is, and get you help. She couldn't really produce it. I didn't tell her that I didn't believe her because it was just going to cause, just like I said, if you contradict the person or you start letting them know that maybe what they believe isn't real and they should reevaluate it, it can cause a lot of anger and hostility. And that's not what you want in an emergency department situation. You want to find as much peace as possible for whatever is going on. Well, in this case, we had to end up admitting her. She started getting more and more delusional to the point where she was getting psychotic and we eventually needed to treat her because she was very frustrated, very angry, uh, and she ended up needing medication. She did a lot better after the medication. She calmed down um, and, and she calmed down with the idea. She was still aware that she had this idea, but she was now, after she was medicated, she was now willing to say, gosh, you know, maybe it was, uh, maybe maybe it's not 100%. Maybe I need to reevaluate this. Because at the same time, she still wasn't able to produce the formula. She didn't know exactly how whatever mathematical formula she thought she had was going to, where was the link to that in solving the world's economic problems? She couldn't give us that. But she had this idea, this belief. Now, we might run into people that have these beliefs or ideas, but we have to distinguish what's the truth versus what's not true. Let's go through some of the subtypes because there's subtypes of delusional disorder that's important to consider, um, especially if we're going to decide is this person speaking the truth or not, okay? So one of them is the somatic type. This is very common, okay? Somatic type of delusional disorder, the definition for that is that the person has delusions that they have some physical defect or general medical condition. Okay, so the somatic type, the person feels that they have some kind of a medical condition, some type of a physical defect, and they keep looking at something. It could be as simple as saying, look, my hand's out of shape, you know, or, uh, you know, this isn't, I, I'm not sure that this is my arm. I'm not sure that what's going on here. I feel like this is not my arm. Uh, and I don't know, like it needs to be cut off or something. You know, people will come up to you and why would I cut off your arm? It's your arm. It's perfectly fine. But they might have this idea that there is a problem, a physical defect with their arm and they need to, to rearrange it or that they have a general medical condition. A lot of people, a lot of times will feel that they have, um, you know, stomach issues and, and stress. And we all, at times in medicine, we'll say, you know, we've done the evaluation for this patient. We've done everything we can, but we don't find any problems. We've done a lot of tests. That's one of the classic signs of it's somatic. We've done a lot of physical tests. We, the person's willing to go through a lot of uh, uh, lab work, have their blood drawn. They're willing to go through a lot of procedures because they really believe that they might have something medically wrong with them. A little bit different from hypochondriac, right? Hypochondriac just believes that anything that they hear about, they're going to have. This is different. This is very specific. Person somaticizing. They're not sure what's going on, but they believe that they have a medical condition. Can't be proven, you know. So they have this fixed delusional belief. It's important to to evaluate that and talk to the person and let them know, you know, this isn't what's going on. Now, 
we have to distinguish what's false from what's real or what the, is this person somaticizing or not, because they could say, you know, I've always had a problem with my intestines. I've ever since I was little, I've always had issues eating or I've always been very sensitive to certain foods. And we could say, oh, they've been somaticizing. They just believe this all along, but it's not real. Um, and after a while, if, if we don't do our due diligence and we don't uh, keep doing tests, we might find out, find out that they had an autoimmune condition or that they have Crohn's disease or that they have something along those lines. That could be a chronic situation. That could be something that's bothering them. And so we don't want to blow it off either. We want to do our due diligence and make sure that we do all the evaluations that are necessary. Now, there's another subtype. We're going to go through a few subtypes. So we talked about the somatic subtype, and it's usually has to do with more of a medical condition. Person feels that they have a defect, some physical defect, or a medical condition. There's another type called persecutory type. Now, this delusion is very common. Okay. And the person usually believes that they are being treated poorly in some way. Patient believes that, you know, they may have been drugged, that they're being spied on, that they're being harmed, that they're being harassed. Um, and they might even try to take action against this. You know, this is a classic sign of people who go to work and they say, I know my boss has something against me. Yeah, this can happen, right? So we got to be careful in some cases, in some work type situations, person can have a persecution, if you will, if they know that, you know, if you're working in a particular place and they know that you share a, a belief or something that's not part of the company's ideas, they could be doing things to you. But for the most part, if you start asking somebody if they have a delusional disorder, well, how do you know your boss doesn't like you? How do you know that they're coming after you for things? Or how do you know that they're trying to hurt you? They might not be able to specifically tell you how. Remember, there's a belief and they're not always going to have the evidence to prove what their concerns are. All right, we're going to talk more about different subtypes after the coming break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we're talking about a very important topic of delusional disorder. We need to really distinguish this delusional disorder versus schizophrenia, psychosis type symptoms, because delusional disorder, people can live with this. It can be something that's lifelong. It doesn't necessarily always cause red flags unless it gets to be extreme. And if you know somebody who's experiencing delusions, it's going to be very hard to convince them otherwise. It's very, it can be very hard to convince them that, that what they are experiencing, what they believe to be true is not true. That's not going to make them happy. They're usually going to get pretty angry and it can cause a lot of conflict, even among family members. So keep that in mind. It's an important po topic to talk about. And at the last segment of the show, I'm going to share with you how this is important, especially if you're involved in any kind of deliverance ministry, if you're going to be involved in any kind of uh, mission or ministry where you're helping people with spiritual direction or discernment of spirits, it's really important to consider, are they experiencing delusional disorders or is this really a spiritual crisis? But let's finish up with the subtypes of delusional disorder here. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about persecutory type of delusions, which means that you feel like you're being followed or somebody's after you. And we we're talking about how it's very common for people to believe that their boss is after them, that you know people at work are continually trying to make their life upsetting. And that's true, that can happen. I mean, we know that these things can happen. And so this is where it's important to distinguish, is this really happening for the person or are they experiencing a delusion? Are they being overly sensitive uh, to workplace type situations? But if you get more intense or people who more intensely have a persecutory type of uh, delusional disorder, they could start believing that somebody's going to be trying to poison them. And they're going to be very wary of what they eat. They're not going to want to go to restaurants. They're not going to want to go 
um, out with you or if you invite them out to eat, they're going to make sure that their food looks a certain way. They're going to be suspicious about it. They say, no, somebody's trying to poison my food, right? Or I'm being spied on. They're going to tell you, no, we, we need to walk through this side door. They're going to live their life in a way that maybe not everybody else is aware of it, but they're going to really make their life a little bit difficult because they're going to go out of their way to make sure that they're not spied on or being watched. It just depends. They're not going to share it with too many people because at some level, I believe that they know that most people would try to you know, either contradict them or show them the truth. And they can't live with that. They can't live with the idea that what they're experiencing is not true. That can cause a lot of conflict. So we've talked about two types, somatic type, where a person believes that there's something medically wrong with them and there really isn't. Uh, we've talked about persecutory type. Oh, here's an important one, the jealous type. This one classically is when somebody believes that their spouse, their whoever they're in a relationship with, their boyfriend, their girlfriend um, is being unfaithful to them. And it's not true. Now, this can be a little bit challenging because we know that in today's day and age with modern technology, it'd be very easy to be unfaithful. You know, text messaging, email, there's so many things that you can do on the side, shall we say, um, if somebody did want to have an infidelity or something along those lines. But this is where, let's say that the other person really isn't having an infidelity and or, or you know, is being faithful to their to their spouse. But the spouse is saying, no, I don't know, I think something's going on. And you say, well, what evidence do you have of that? Do they ever step out? Do they come home late? Do they pretend like... They're not going to come home. Um, and they say, no, they're always here. I'm always with them. They're always at work. They answer every time I call. I just think that they're, you know, that they're cheating on me somehow. And you say, okay, well, do you have any evidence? No, but you know what? I check their phone every day. checked all their text messages. I do this day in and day out. And have you found anything? No, not at all. So we really need to distinguish that because one, it might not be true. And the person might just really be experiencing a delusion. They might be worried that their partner, their spouse is having an affair. And it's not true. However, in today's day and age, it's best to evaluate that because you never know, right? With the, with the technology we have, I've seen cases of some patients where they really were cheating on their spouse. So they weren't faithful and they kept it from their family and for a long time. Um, and that can be very, very challenging. So that's a jealous type. There's the grandiose type. We also sometimes call it megalomania. Um, and this is where the person has a delusion where they really have an inflated sense of self. They really feel that they are the most important, the only uh, person in the specialty that can save the world, that they have the, the knowledge that nobody else is going to have, that if it weren't for them, you know, the world would fall apart, um, that they're, they're um, you know, that it doesn't get better than them. You know, they have the answers. They're the only ones. They're exclusive. They, they, they only hang out with uh, people of, of higher category. They can't speak to just anybody because nobody would understand them. It would have to be the elite of society who they can uh, uh, hang out with. They have an inflated sense of power or knowledge or identity. You know, they're just that important. Now, a lot of times this can get confused with narcissistic personality disorder. So we need to really evaluate that. What you got to remember, though, is narcissistic people usually have a very fragile ego, very fragile sense of self, very delicate in, in how they believe uh, themselves to be. They do believe that they're important, but only because of accomplishments or only because they have certain titles. And that's why they believe they're important. This is a little bit different. This is not that the person feels they're important because of titles. They just feel that they're important regardless of what titles they have, they just have this idea that that's just who they are. They are important and nothing's going to touch them and, and they need to be in touch with the world. Now, it might be fun to hang out with a person like that for a little while because it's so out of character, such a caricature. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, watch out and let them know and burst that bubble and let them know that maybe they're not as important as they believe they are. or They're not really, you know, as smart as they believe they are or somebody else might have certain knowledge. Maybe they're not as unique as they claim to be. Watch out. That can be a big challenge because they're going to get upset. They're going to get angry and it can be just kind of a whole messy situation. And again, that's grandiose type of delusional disorder. And then there's the types. There's something called um, erotomania. Okay, so the erotomaniac manic type, the erotomanic type of delusional disorder is a little hard to say, but this is the kind that we usually end up seeing in the news. Okay, a person who has erotomania um, really believes that somebody else is in love with them. How do we end up seeing this in the news? Because it's classic when we see somebody who gets arrested who gets pulled over, who needs to be set aside because they might believe that a movie star, a rich mogul, somebody famous is in love with them. And they believe that somehow they need to be together. They're going to get married and they're going to run off together and be married. And what do they end up doing because of this strong belief? Well, usually they start following. Let's say that it's a movie star. They'll start following this movie star around to different movie premieres, wherever they're traveling. They'll try to find out where they are at all times. They'll show up wherever this movie star shows up. They'll even go sometimes so far as to break into the movie star's home and sit there and live there and try to uh, be part of their life because they really believe that this movie star is in love with them. And this is the, the people that we see end up in the news and we say, wow, they really are you know, strange. They really are stalking this person. Why are they stalking them? A lot of times you think, wow, they're really trying to hurt them. Now, there are those people who do try to go out and hurt famous people or, you know, they're not thinking clearly and want to do some damage to anybody who's famous. But if you suffer from erotomania, usually what it is, you believe that this person is in love with you and that, you know, they're, they're going to make your life better and you're there to make their life better and you have a real relationship. They really believe that they have a real relationship. So that delusion can be very, very strong. Now, a lot of people might feel this and not act on it, right? A lot of people might experience delusional disorder about many different things. And as long as they don't act on them or they don't start, you know, there's just a belief and they don't, they don't live their life in a way that it's ruled by this, you might even never know. You know, you might not be known to the public. You'll never know about this. When the person, the belief is so strong sometimes, it overtakes everything, remember, and it has a singularity in the person's life. It starts to become part of their life. After a while, they're going to start acting on it, live a life uh, in a way that they're ruled by this belief, and it's going to start drawing attention. Usually not the positive type. Usually you're going to end up in the hospital, or you're going to alert law enforcement, or something along those lines. So that can be a little bit on the challenging side when it comes to delusional disorder. Okay, and remember, this is different from schizophrenia. Somebody who has schizophrenia usually can't function, can't keep a job for the most part, unless they're treated and medicated. Uh, very few times I've ever seen anybody with schizophrenia be able to keep a job, a normal relationship, or things along those lines. Somebody with delusional disorder, remember, it's just a fixed belief that is not rational. They might have some issues, okay? So they, they're going to have some issues where they're not thinking cl things clearly, but that doesn't keep them from being able to function in society, depending on how intently they hold on to these beliefs. So they could just have this delusion. Now, for us as Catholics, and especially if you're tuning into Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you're well aware that we always try to focus on the spiritual life. And we try to ask ourselves, how am I getting closer to God? What is it that I'm experiencing? What's going on in my life? How am I thinking? Um, and that's getting me closer to God. A lot of times people will worry about, am I being influenced by demonic entities? My life is so dark right now. I believe I'm hearing voices. I think I'm getting a mission from God and I'm supposed to do specific things. 
And really the reality is we got to take a step back. And before we even touch on that, ask ourselves, what do we believe as Catholics? Because believe it or not, sometimes people might say, well, you have a delusional disorder as a Catholic. You really believe that when you go to church, there's this bread and wine and it turns into the body and blood of Christ. You believe that. How do you, you know, we see it as just bread and wine. We don't see anything different. Why do you believe that? And you're, in fact, it's such a delusional disorder that you're willing to change your whole life towards this belief because all of a sudden you believe that, you know, this man came to earth and he said he was God and he was changing the bread and the wine into his body and blood. And now because he said that you're going to change your whole life and live a whole life based on what he said and based on this belief. Isn't that a little bit of a delusional disorder? Remember I said before, when you look at delusion disorders, one, you want to go ahead and make sure is this reality or is this or is this fake? You know, what is that they're going on? And you have to take into consideration what is the cultural belief? Is it just this one person who's believing this or is there a cultural belief around this? And you start to see a whole lot of people live in this life. Because remember how I said, if this is a delusional disorder, usually if you try to show the person contrary, they will get very upset. They will get very mad. They will not want to deal with any contradictory idea. For us as Catholics, before you start saying, gosh, well, maybe it is a delusion. No, we have a whole lot of people who belong to the Catholic Church who believe that this is the body and blood of Christ. We have a whole lot of people, including the Pope. We have a whole institution dedicated to our religious beliefs, which we know to be the truth. People are going to try to convince you that it's delusional. People are going to try to convince you that what you believe as a Catholic is delusional and that it's not right. But now you got to remember, no, it's very culturally acceptable. In fact, it's acceptable in the Catholic society. And if you tell me that it's not the truth or you're going to try to show me the contrary, look, it's just bread and wine. It's not upsetting to me. You can go believe whatever you want. I know that that's the truth. It's not a delusion. I'm, I'm not going to get upset about it. In fact, I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it with anybody who wants to talk about it. I'm not going to keep it hidden or secret. I'm going to say, this is what we believe. I can show you our creed. I can show you the Vatican website. I can show you what the Pope believes. This is a true belief in the Catholic world across the world. So don't let anybody tell you that what we believe is a delusional disorder. We'll talk more about deliverance and delusional disorders when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to Dr. Luis Sandoval and the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. And today we are talking about delusional disorder. Now, why did this come to mind? You might be thinking, well, gee, Dr. Sandoval, why are we talking about delusional disorder? What's going on with it? I think it's very important in today's society to ask ourselves, what are delusions and what are not delusions? Before the break, I was talking about how very easily somebody could try to tell you as a Catholic especially if you're doing any kind of apologetic ministry, that as Catholics, we have a lot of delusions, um, that we believe in certain miracles or in certain things that change that are outside of what the human mind of science comprehends. And, you know, the fallacy with that is to believe that that which the human mind comprehends is the only truth, right? But they're going to tell you as a Catholic that maybe you have delusions that what you believe in terms of the miracle of the consecration at mass every Sunday, well, actually every day, uh, anytime that there's a mass, that there's the consecration and the body and the blood uh, of, of our Lord is there present in what used to be bread and wine, even though it looks like bread and wine, they're going to say, that's pretty delusional. 
Or what makes you think that you can go into a confessional and some man who says he's a priest does some kind of blessing and all of a sudden your pre your your sins are forgiven? That's pretty delusional. I don't know about that. Just because he said that, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that some words can change your life? Well, the reality is sometimes we might not have a strong enough faith in that, but yeah, we do believe that. We believe in the power of prayer. We also believe in all the power that our Lord left us, which is spiritual and supernatural, which we cannot see, but he conferred to his apostles and he told them, whatever you forgive is forgiven. He told them how to consecrate the bread and the wine. This has been handed down in our Catholic tradition for years, so we know it's not a specific delusional disorder. So that's one important reason to talk about this. The other important reason is to recognize that there are some people who have bizarre beliefs that are delusions that actually can function in society, as we say, we consider functioning in society, that they can go to work, they can have jobs, they can do a lot of different things, and they're not exactly functioning. In, I mean, they're completely functioning in a way that people might not even realize they have a delusion. Why is this important for us as Catholics if we're going through our spiritual ministry and we're talking about discerning the spirits? Well, one of the reasons that this came up is because as my children are getting older, they're, getting, they're asking questions about different TV shows that are popular among their friends um, or that they hear about on TV or that were popular at one point. And they're asking a lot about shows that show supernatural phenomenon that some of their friends are allowed to watch in their home. And some of these supernatural phenomena are uh, paranormal relationships, shall we say, such as a woman who falls in love with a vampire, or they talk about different shows where, you know, <clears throat> uh, there's a different dimension, and that there's demons and monsters and different things that live in different dimensions, and children have to help uh, the, the town out because the government is trying to open portals to these different worlds and you know these demons are coming in and out but somehow they have to fight them and you know these are great fantasy ideas these are really outlandish out there it's wonderful to see what our imagination can do but it's important to distinguish this as i tell my kids you know you're going to be exposed to different things but it's important to distinguish between what's real and what's not and when you're watching a show it's important to ask yourself how is evil being portrayed? How is good being portrayed? Is something evil, like a monster, like what we've known classically in literature to be evil, like a vampire or a werewolf or the mummy or a Frankenstein type figure, are they trying to portray them as somebody who's good, somebody who's worthy of redemption? Mm, you know, that's great for the fantasy world. You can use that. You can see that in the fantasy world, and that's great. Um, you can argue that somebody can always go from from being bad to being good, as we say, in, in the light of Catholic light of, of rules and regulations that we have that we follow. But that's humans. we got to remember that as humans, we can be redeemed. Don't trick yourself. Don't believe all of a sudden that, you know, demonic figures, monster type figures, which are classically uh, evil, all of a sudden have a level of redemption. I tell them this because I realize that a lot of kids and a lot of people will start to believe that just based on what they see on TV, just based on the movies that they see. And then we got to ask ourselves, when they come to us later, because they've chosen to dabble in the occult, you know, the Ouija board's not bad. I saw on TV on a movie that a demon really had a good conscience. He just didn't know how to be good. Maybe I can contact them. Maybe I can use a Ouija board. Maybe I can do a spell or something. It's okay to have a friendship with a demon. So a lot of people really believe this. Now, as Catholics, we know what's true and what's not true. Be careful of anybody telling you that you have a delusional disorder where it comes to the spiritual world. But this is where people get in trouble. When we start to see in deliverance ministry, people who start to believe that demons are good. 
that evil entities can be changed or be, can be controlled or that, you know, they can actually fall in love with us. They don't have this capacity. This is now going to be a delusional disorder on our part because a lot of people really focus on this and they take a hyper focus and they start to make it their mission to go into deliverance ministry, to start to evaluate things. And they even get to the point where they get grandiose, where they feel that they're, you know, have gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them. Who's going who's gonna to distinguish these gifts? Really, only God can distinguish that. You know, it can't be 100% proven that somebody has special gifts. Anybody, even a psychic will tell you that they have special gifts. And if they do, then we got to ask ourselves, where is this coming from? You know, is it coming from the realm of light? Is it coming from the realm of darkness? The realm of darkness will try to, to look at, uh, portray itself as a good thing. And this is very important to distinguish. This is where we can get into the dangerous aspect of deliverance ministry. I see a lot of people who get in trouble because they believe that they were just, you know, talking to somebody on the other side. They weren't sure. They didn't stop to ask if they were good or evil. They learned that they themselves could perform white magic, as they think, and do some white magic spells. And because of that, that you know, they help their friend no longer be sick. It can be a challenging, um, it can be challenging to convince them otherwise when they say that they've seen the result of their works and that they were good. Well, this can be really challenging when we're trying to distinguish between the realm of fantasy as we can see in movies or video games or stories that's all fantasy versus reality where we say no there is a spiritual world and you have to be careful when you dabble in that spiritual world because you have to aim every aim everything towards christ towards the light towards god because if not in that spiritual world there's a very dark reality and in between i worry about the psychiatric component of delusions because sometimes people will because of their delusions or their fixed beliefs start going down a route that might not be healthy spiritually and we have to make that distinction now the other problem is when people come to deliverance ministry and they say i need help with this it's important to have a very good psychiatric evaluation if it shows that they are sharing that they do hold strange beliefs or that they do believe that they're being uh, uh, you know demonically influenced because of different things here's an example there was one time there was a lady who came to a deliverance ministry requesting help because she believed that her ex-husband had cursed her because he was very powerful and very rich and she said that after she married him she didn't really like him but she married him because of his money so and after she married him, you know, she felt that maybe love could grow, uh, but she knew that he was rich and she thought, well, this will be okay because our love's going to grow. So she married him and she admits, you know, it's because he was rich. It's because he had money and I felt like I needed to be taken care of. But then after a while, she says he became controlling and that he wouldn't let her go out of the house and that she couldn't do whatever she needed to do. And then eventually she wanted to leave him and she wanted to divorce him. But it became a very messy divorce because, of course, she wanted half of whatever he had. And he had some very powerful lawyers. And she started to believe that these lawyers were coming after her now. They were going to ruin her life, that she was being followed and that he had cursed her and that he had put some diabolical curses on her. When you asked her, well, do you have proof of this? Do you know of this at all? She says, no, not at all. I don't have any proof. I can't because that's how powerful he is, that he can hide his tracks. When you start inquiring about the divorce, it sounds like they were able to get divorced, not a problem. And she'll say, oh, yeah, sure. But that was after a lot of hard work. And I had to hide. And I had to you know, flee the state that we were living in. And I had to go to a whole different state and hide uh, with my friend because she was the only one who could protect me. Uh, and the rest of the world couldn't protect me. But she knew and she saw what was happening. So it became a very, very elaborate story. 
where deliverance ministry groups get into trouble is when they start to buy into this. And all of a sudden, somebody in the deliverance ministry group might feel like they have some special powers and they can see that she was truly cursed. And these curses need to be broken. We have to take this case on. Well, they don't do their due diligence. We've got to ask ourselves, is there some delusional uh, beliefs within the deliverance ministry? This can happen. you got to be careful about who's part of a deliverance ministry group. Did this lady really have curses on her? How do we know that? Or was she really going through a difficult time divorcing this person? She admits that she got into the marriage out of money. Well, that right there she is. I mean, you could say you could argue she's opening doors to uh, not having a spiritually healthy relationship. She's opening doors to following money and maybe tricking this guy and believing, making him believe that she loved him. She admits that she didn't love him. She went into this marriage uh, not sacramentally. She went into this marriage for love of money. She married the money and not him. He was just a conduit for that. So you got to ask yourself, does she open doors for that? So that's an important thing to consider when it comes to delusional disorder and you're doing deliverance ministry and you're considering the spiritual world, you have to make distinctions between reality, fantasy, and psychosis. Well, what's fantasy? What's not real? What is real? But where are a person's delusions, their fixed beliefs, what's driving them to now seek help from a deliverance ministry? In a deliverance team, you want to be cautious of anybody who takes on every single case and believes that there is some sort of help we can give everybody as far as deliverance, which is not the case. The only person who can give help as far as deliverance is our Lord Jesus Christ. Our job in a deliverance ministry is to guide them to Christ. When somebody starts telling, saying that they can see things or that they can guide the priest or the exorcist and let them know what's there, you want to use caution with any of that. Can there be gifts of the Holy Spirit? Of course, we all have gifts of the Holy Spirit. If some person feels that they have very special gifts and unique gifts, I would be cautious of that as well. You want to take things in stride and you want to look at what's really happening in this person's life. Because then what happens? Let's say you bring this person in and you start doing prayers for them. If you didn't have a good evaluation for them, if you didn't do a psychiatric evaluation, if you started to believe everything that they said because you wanted to feel important in deliverance ministry, the classic thing that happens is you're going to hurt the person. You're going to hurt the person who's coming to ask for help. Why? Because just by even doing the deliverance ministry prayers, you open the door to making them believe that they really have something wrong with them, right? You've added to their delusions. Well, they wouldn't be praying for me if it weren't true. They wouldn't have had a prayer session for me if I didn't have something that was spiritually influencing me. And then what's going to happen there? Well, what's going to happen is you're going to realize if you're part of deliverance ministry, oh, no, this person only has mental health issues. They really don't have many spiritual uh, health issues. And if they do, we got to focus on the mental health issues first. But now all of a sudden you're chasing your tail and you regret it. And you say, gosh, I wish I would have either had them evaluated or when they said, you know, this person has mostly mental health issues and we thought, oh, we're going to pray for them out of charity. Well, that's a problem, you know, and if you don't if you don't think about that, you're actually hurting the person more because you're having you're buying into their into their delusions and you're you're actually solidifying their delusions even more. I've seen this happen over and over. And then what happens? The person comes back. They want more prayers. They say, but you prayed for me. You saw that. And you tell them, no, you know, but in reality, you have mental health issues. And then all of a sudden, they're going to want more prayers. They're going to come knocking at your door again. And then what's the saddest part? The saddest part is that now that person, who's going to guide them spiritually? Is the deliverance ministry going to take them on and say, look, we're going to continue to guide you through a spiritual life? Or are they going to say, now we need to ignore this person. Now we need to not pay attention to them. That's pretty sad. That's not very charitable because you've caused this problem. And now you're going to drive this person away. That's a sad state of affairs to be in. Really, the reality is 
you need to do a good evaluation on is the person experiencing delusional disorders or not. And before you even start bringing somebody into deliverance ministry, if you're still evaluating whether or not they have mental health issues, the first thing you need to do is just have them lead a Catholic spiritual life. Before you start telling them that they're going to have deliverance prayers, before you start telling them that there could be evil influences, you're doing them a lot more harm than good. And the reality is, I think everybody in the deliverance ministry needs to check themselves and ask themselves, why are we here? Am I here because you know I feel more important when I'm doing this? If I don't do deliverance ministry, what's going to become of my life? That's a problem because you know we need to have a spiritual life outside of that. Deliverance ministry is a very small part of our life. And the reality is if we understand deliverance ministry, most people realize we're doing deliverance all the time. Every time I wake up and, I'm, and I am nice to my wife, I'm doing deliverance ministry. I'm driving evil away by creating a peaceful environment in my house. When I tell my children I'm proud of them or I love them, that's deliverance ministry right there. They understand that we have a special bond, spiritual bond. They're my children. They're always going to be loved, and I'm leading them to Christ. And when I tell my ch teach my children how to pray, when they see us going to Mass together, we might not like it. It might be boring on Sundays. Not everybody likes to go to liturgy on Sundays. But when they see that we do that as a family, that's the truth between of your deliverance ministry. You know, when you have cases coming to you in a deliverance ministry session and the person tells you that they're sure that they've been cursed, that they're sure that there's evil influences in their life, this is where I think that the smartest way to go is the way the Libra Christo movement is, the way Father Ripperger runs deliverance ministry. Um, you hear it here on, on the War College on the Wednesdays on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. The most important thing you need to do before you even get into any kind of deliverance ministry or have deliverance prayers said for you is just start leading a prayerful life because you need to have faith in the Catholic religion, in the Catholic way of life, in the monastic way of following Christ. Why is that? Because this is where we, if we're going to preach uh, the Catholic faith, if we're going to practice what we preach, then the reality is we need to have faith in the Eucharist. We need to have faith in the sacraments. We need to have faith in a prayer life. If I do these simple things, I'm going to drive away all evil influences in my life. If I am living, living a Catholic life, and it's a good Catholic life, and I'm still having these beliefs, I got to ask myself, am I experiencing delusions or not? Is this really, am I really being influenced by spiritual dark entities? The odds of that are pretty rare if I'm living a truly Catholic life. If I'm reading my my spiritual books, if I'm reading the catechism, if I'm reading the Code of Canon Law, if I'm reading my Bible, most importantly, I'm thinking like a Catholic. That's what's going to help me think like a Catholic. Once I read that, am I putting that into practice? Am I living like a Catholic? Because it doesn't do me any good to read it if I'm not living that Catholic life. And if I'm living that Catholic life, now I can call myself Catholic, practicing Catholic. Notice I don't say expert Catholic. None of us are expert Catholic. We're all practicing. Why? Because we're human. We have frailties. We will have our falls. But the reality is, if I'm reading this, and if I'm thinking like a Catholic and living like a Catholic, I'm going to rise. I'm going to get back up every time I fall. Why? Because that's really the strength of walking with Christ. The idea of having delusions, mental illness, let's get some help for that. Let's make sure that if somebody is having bizarre thoughts, if somebody's having, you know, these ideas that are going to get them into trouble in life, that we get them some mental health. However, if I start to put my faith in Christ and start living a Catholic life, I can't say those are delusions at all. You got to look at it from a cultural perspective and from a truth perspective. Once we know that, once we know that living a Catholic life is the truth, 
then you're not going to have to worry too much in deliverance ministry. The first thing you're going to want to get people to do is not follow what I tell them because I think I'm getting special beliefs or I'm getting special ideas or I have special gifts that I can see things in other people. You're running into very uh, shaky ground there, very shaky territory, because what distinguishes you from somebody who says that they're a psychic? or somebody who says that they're getting special messages from beyond, right? Yes, through prayer, we can get inspirations. Through prayer, I can lead a life where I say, gosh, I was praying and I feel like I need to do something good for other people. But I can't start to believe that I can read other people, especially if I haven't had any mental health background, anything along those lines, you want to be very, very careful. A lot of people feel like, gosh, I'm going to open uh, this book and I'm going to read these deliverance prayers. I'm going to read all the exorcism prayers. I'm going to do it myself because I feel that I'm a prayer warrior, a deliverance warrior. Well, who gave you that authority is really the question of the day, right? Because for as much as you want to work with a priest, you have to have the spiritual authority. This is why only the priest is the exorcist. You know, classically, what we see in deliverance ministry, if you're going to be part of a good deliverance ministry, and if you feel like you're being afflicted by something and you feel like I don't have delusions, I'm not psychotic, and I really need spiritual help. If you know, this is how you know it's a good deliverance ministry. You're going to go to them and they're going to say, go and pray first. Go lead a good spiritual life. The demons will go away. Trust me, this is not an emergency. There are no emergencies when it comes to the spiritual life. Even if somebody says that they're fully possessed and that they're manifesting, believe it or not, that's not an emergency. You need to listen uh, to exorcists like Father Ripperger. Father Lampert will tell you the same thing. He's out of Illinois. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Indiana. Um, you know, they'll tell you the same thing. There, there's nothing drastic and emergent. The person, there are lots of steps that a person had to take to get to be negatively spiritually influenced. It happens over time. This is also where we need to distinguish between mental health. Mental health can happen over time too. It starts with a fixed belief, starts with a hallucination, a little bit of psychosis. You want to make that distinct distinction. You want to talk to the person, get to know the person. And this is what I would say to close. The first and most important thing is evaluate whether the person has mental health issues or not. If somebody's having fixed beliefs, hallucinations, psychoses, try to get them medical help. Let them know that you support them, but that they're hurting. If you feel that somebody's having spiritual issues, get to church, pray, put your faith in Christ before all else. And if you feel like you're being afflicted, make sure that you call a friend, talk to a friend, start to pray, pray the rosary. Once we put our faith in our Lord and Christ, we can easily distinguish and make distinctions between what's spiritual, what's mental health, and get the appropriate help. The most important thing in our lives is to start thinking like Catholics. Read your holy books. Read the Bible. That will guide our mind in the right way. Start living like a Catholic. Practice what we read. And at the end of the day, once we do that, then we can say we are truly Catholic. This is Dr. Sandoval saying until next week, keep it Catholic. <laughs>